Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back once again to Green Tag Theme Park in 30. My name is Scott Swenson with Scott Swenson Creative Development, and I'm here with co-host Philip Hernandez from Gantam Lighting. Hey, Philip. Hello, Scott. You're so perky. I love it. I know. I know. I'm so perky. Before we get too far into the show, you'll probably notice if, if you happen to be watching as opposed to just listening, I am not in my office. I am traveling. And Philip is in a new location because he's in a new location. So now we're, yes. now we're, we are truly bi-coastal, aren't we? Oh my goodness. Yes. And the time difference, ugh, yeah. recording through time. Yep. Yep. So welcome to the Green Tag Time Machine. Uh, where it's uh, it's significantly earlier for Philip than it is for me. <laughs> um, so, anywho, let's dive into the show. Enough silliness. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about, and well, especially me, I've been like like a broken record talking about don't panic, just pivot for the last year. And so many places are taking that, and I think it's evolving to the next level. In fact, retail has so embraced the idea of entertainment. And entertainment has so embraced the idea of retail that we're now making up new words like retailtainment. Now, we've talked a little bit about this on the, on the show in the past, but there are some examples, once again, that kind of show either we were really lucky or we did actually know what we were talking about. Um, it could be one or the other. I really don't know. But uh, in, uh, there's, uh, some of you have seen, especially if you happen to be a Harry Potter fan like me, House of Ravenclaw. Um, if you happen to be a Harry Potter fan, you've noticed that New York is opening a flagship store on June 3rd. And according to the article in Attractions Magazine, they say Harry Potter New York is a 21,000 square foot themed retail experience with interactive elements, exclusive products, and handmade props spanning three floors with 15 themed areas. This is, this is, like, this is like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter for retail. I mean, this is this is just incredible. Um, there's, it's you know, of course, using all the right people. It's using all the the right brand. Uh, one of the things that that J.K. Rowling has always been good about is not allowing any just anybody to to take on the brand. She just has a very strong control over that. So I'm sure this is going to be this is going to be really interesting. But um, there are also many photo ops. Uh, including posing inside a London phone box, uh, as if transporting themselves into the Ministry of Magic, or even trying on Hagrid's giant boots, sort of like any cruise port in the Caribbean. I, they have those giant boots and big guns. I don't know. Um, those of you who've been on cruises know exactly what I'm talking about. Those who don't, go to New York and try on Hagrid's boots. Um, there's even an interactive wand table that allows guests to bring their favorite Harry Potter character to life. So this is not just about buy your merch. This is what we've talked about, about souvenirs forever, uh, both in the haunted attraction industry, the theme park industry, zoos and attractions. Give people a reason to buy 
and they will. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I think I need another piece of Harry Potter paraphernalia. Um, however, if you go to New York and you go to the flagship store, you're going to leave buying something. It's the idea of souvenirs. You know, we don't buy souvenirs because we're like, oh, I'm going to be so cold if I don't buy another T-shirt. No, you buy a T-shirt to remember the day you had at the theme park, at the concert, at the whatever. And uh, and this is just seems to be the perfect melding um, if it's if it's executed even close to the way they're saying it's going to be executed, I I think it's going to be, things going to be pretty amazing. So, Philip, are you a Harry Potter fan or is it just me? I am also a Ravenclaw, so I don't know. This is definitely like one of the one of those shows. Wow, we become you know we always say we're not just we're not just geeks we're not just uh, we're not just uh, theme park nerds, but apparently we are. So anyway, apparently we are a very specific type of theme park nerd as well. Um, and you know, I really like that they're incorporating in these elements, like the photos. I think that th those, I think specifically creating interactive moments where the guests can create photo moments and souvenirs and that type of digital media. Um, I know we've talked about it a lot in the past several years uh, with the takeoff of Instagram and with Meow Wolf, this kind of thing has, this kind of model has become, I think it's just increasingly popular. Uh, but I, I do think that trend's going to just continue to go forward, especially when you combine that with what we've previously talked about, which is that a lot of guests may not want to go back to everybody going to one huge theme park in a giant crowd. They might want to do these different experiences in smaller places with smaller groups in smaller areas and smaller towns. So I do think the this idea of doing these interactive retail experiences um, it's good. It's also, it's also, I think a good way to subsidize the experience by attaching the retail component to it. And I'm going to go you know, one, one further. A, yeah. don't, don't just attach a retail component, integrate a retail component, um, yeah. make it so that the experience and the retail are so completely intermeshed. The guests can't see the seams. Um, so it's not just, hi, I'm with, uh, super happy, wonderful world, and I'm going to sell super happy, wonderful world t-shirts. No, you have to incorporate mm -hmm. it into, into going back a thousand years, going into the story. It has to be incorporated into the story and the brand so that it is, the retail is not something you buy just to think about what you're doing or what you've done. It's something you buy so that you can participate even deeper in what you've done. Um, it is, it is an integration. And I think that, you know, with these giant, uh, these giant examples, the, especially the, you know, Harry Potter flagship store. Um, I, it's something that Disney store started, tried to do um, many years ago, but they still kind of kept Disney store and Disney parks separate. Um, this seems to be much more of an integration and they're, because they're not necessarily, they're not necessarily synergizing with the, with the park that does Harry Potter. They're synergizing with the brand or the intellectual property of, of Harry Potter, which I think is again, very smart. But it's something that every single theme park at every single size and every single level should be thinking about. Your guests are being trained to think that souvenirs are not something you buy after the experience. They're something that is integrated into the experience. And, you know, Universal Orlando and uh, I think they do it in Cal Well, no, Universal Orlando was where they really just nailed it. 
with Wizarding World of Harry Potter to actually have to wait in queue to go in and buy stuff. And that happens in multiple places in, in Hogwarts. Um, so still actually on, on crowded days. So it's one of those things where this is, is showing that, that merchandise is not an add-on. It's an integral part of whatever you're doing in the themed attractions industry. Cool. Okay. Well, we, apparently we made a big point there because we both just shut up and we're, we're very silent. Uh, another example of this is the Design Museum Supermarket, which is selling um, artistic essential items. Uh, this is from, from Blue Loop, uh, where they talk about this supermarket is selling a range of essential project, products, including bread, tea, coffee, and toilet paper with packaging designed by emerging artists. Um, we've seen this in high-end uh, alcohol. We've seen it like uh, Absolute did it for a while. Um, we've seen it with uh, with airplanes. You know, uh, there were there were airplanes that were designed and painted by by emerging artists. Uh, Romero Brito, before he was a big name, um, that's one of the things that he did, or as he was becoming a big name. Um, and this is, you know, Philip just mentioned Meow Wolf. This is kind of the the next Meow Wolf step. Meow Wolf kind of broke the ground, and now other places are doing it. How do you think this is going to work, yeah. Philip? Well, I, I love this. I, I do think it, it's, it's a great example of something that is very accessible to those listeners who are thinking, maybe I don't want to change my business model to be retailtainment. You know, if you're listening and going, that Harry Potter store sounds amazing, uh, but what am I going to do at my attraction? Uh, if you're thinking that and you want to do something easy and small, this is a great example of that, where these are just essential items that are being redesigned by local artists. And a great example I've seen of this on a small scale was piloted by Knott's Berry Farm a few years back, and it was for their Halloween event. And it was a themed store, very similar concept to the Tribute Store at Universal in Orlando, except the items in that themed store, they set up a gallery on one wall and the items were all created by local artists and they allowed the local artists to use the, like, to use their IP. So they, we had the green witch and we had some of the characters from this year. So they sent them, you know, a concept art package and they allowed them to create their own takes on the characters that were going to be featured at that year's event. And then they sold the prints and they also made pins and t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. But I think this is a step beyond that because what I'm thinking is we could partner with local artists to help to help bring out, bring to life some of the characters that you have at your attraction, but you can go beyond the usual t-shirt. You can make it a little bit more interactive as Scott said, but you also don't have to leave out the essential items. You know, I, it's like, I, I would go somewhere and, and purchase some of these everyday use items like sanitizer or alcohol swabs or like band-aids or a reusable water, water bottle, bottle or something. Water bottles. Yeah. That's the first thing I think of is disposable bottles of water. I mean, you're going to sell in any park, you're going to sell water. Um, why not see if you can find a way to get your local artist to uh, make that label special for you? Because that's really what yeah. this is. This is repackaging. And this is nothing new for folks who are listening in Japan. I mean, packaging is what mm -hmm. it's all about in Japan. Um, but it's it's coming to other countries in the in the world. And uh, and I think this is I think this could be really fun. Yeah, it opens up just the whole idea of what you can do. And there's a great series I want to recommend for those of you listening. There's a series on NPR's 
Planet Money, where they basically they they buy a license to a superhero and then they start creating merchandise for it all on the show. And they end up creating, for instance, soda, soda themed as a superhero and a comic book you can order. So th they go really into licensing and beyond that. And that's something that you could you could create as well. You know, there could be a there could be a, a green witch flavored pop soda that mm -hmm. is only available during or energy drink that is only available during uh, during those hours at the event, you know, and ideally it'd be a little bit more immersive like the starship court food eatery that they set up for stranger things at universal you know because you're actually i mean it's an ip based thing so ideally it'd be a little bit more so ideally you'd create it and it would be the green witch's uh hut and you would go in and you but buy from her potion cabinet and mix your own potion you know that would be what, but but there's ways to start small and and test it out Sure. And well, and like you said, it's basically, it's basically fan art legitimized. Um, and yes, yeah, and exactly, exactly, exactly. And if you've been to, you know, even, even Disney, Disney now in, uh, in downtown Disney and Disney Springs, they have two different stores that focus. Now they're not just, it's not just fan art. It's not just, Hey, we found you on the internet. These are legitimate re recognized artists who are, who have been authorized to do their take on Disney characters. And they sell everything from uh, prints to, to gicles on canvas, to t-shirts, to uh, coasters, to hats. To, but it's it's all not non-Disney artists doing Disney characters, which again is the, is the very high end of what this is. I think Philip's right. I also suggest that if you happen to be a 501c3 and you're looking for community outreach, um, this is a great opportunity to reach out to specifically local artists and see if there is a way that, you know, if you happen to be a, a zoo, you know, pick, pick a day uh, where you're going to celebrate this is the, the day of the rhinoceros and invite five local artists out and then sell prints of their things throughout the course of the, the next three months and then do it once a quarter. So you've always got this outreach going. You've got a, uh, you've got a juried experience and you're also generating revenue, both for you and for local artists. So it's a win-win. And we all know how much I love those. Um, now, you know, speaking of speaking of retail, you know, everybody thinks when they think of souvenirs, they think, oh my gosh, I love getting souvenirs. But then there's always that crap that I have to throw away, all the garbage, all the packaging, et cetera. Well, um, there's a whole bunch of, of efforts that have been made, all of them that we've found by Disney, interestingly enough, um, in response to Earth Day. And for those of you who have been living, you know, in another world, uh, Earth Day is... Uh, usually celebrated on April 22nd and was big in the 60s, went away, came back again in the 80s, and now has kind of uh, meandered its way through popularity uh, until now. But it was just this past week. And uh, one of the things that I think is interesting is when it comes, especially when it comes to the retail side, is Disney launches plastic-free boxes for, the, for their dolls just ahead of Earth Day. So again, there are going to be those who are very cynical who will argue and say, oh, great, it's an Earth Day ploy. And my response to that is, I don't care. There's less plastics. <laughs> it's like, yeah. if, you want to use, if you want to use doing the right thing to promote your product, I'm okay with that because it ends up you yeah. doing the right thing. I think it's, it's totally reasonable to 
to do that, to do, to do the right thing, to get to the same an end. And it almost, to me, is an extra incentive. You know, here, here's an excuse that you can use to write a press release that maybe will get some attention to your attraction during Earth Day to do something that we know you're going to have to do eventually. You know, I think all, all this kind of coincided with the Biden administration's proclaimment of reduce of reduction by 50% emissions. And that, in, in one way or another, no matter what happens, is going to trickle to the attractions industry. So you're going to have to do something, having plastic at your attraction, especially since it is not an essential kind of business, as in people choose to spend their disposable income there to come to it, which means they're choosing to buy into your brand, which means that if if they go there, you're, you're going to, I think you're going to start to see people that are going to complain if you have plastic single-use straws. You yeah. Know, it's, it's coming. Well, I, it's funny, even in, even in restaurants now, I've gotten to the point now when I order my beverage, I have to, because mm. I usually drink iced tea and it's like, can I get unsweet iced tea? No lemon, no straw. That's just the way I've, yeah. why just the way I order. And I will tell you that if they bring me a straw or worse yet, they bring me multiple straws, it actually reduces the server's tip because it means they weren't paying attention. Now, yeah. am I sure? Maybe, maybe, but I'm also very cognizant of this is something, and is one straw going to make or break the planet? No, it's not. But if everybody who doesn't need a straw makes it so that they don't provide straws or don't automatically put it down to show that the table's been sat, that's the one that drives me crazy. Um, then, you know, we, we have to change somehow. And I can't, you know, I can't make every restaurant change, but I think all of us can, as Philip said, we can, we can raise those, raise those eyebrows, raise those questions, um, not to be accusatory, but to basically say, you know what, I don't want, I don't want this extra garbage, this extra one use plastic, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And I think more and more companies are becoming aware of it. And now that the president has made his announcement, I think we're in, uh, even more focus. Yeah. And e even speaking of restaurants, you know, Starbucks is piloting a program of you bringing in a reusable Starbucks cup, even for the, like the to go orders, you know, going through there. And so uh, we we've used that at theme parks for quite a while, you know, having your reusable mm -hmm. mugs as part of some passholder program. But I think going through and checking all those easy boxes and then going through and making a, a deeper plan is going to be essential. And uh, Disney also, of course, announced that they were, they're going to be adding two 75 megawatt solar plants as part of the efforts to reach zero emissions by 2030. Their two existing solar plants along with the new facilities will help power 40% of the resort's consumption. And of course, the solar plants look like a giant Mickey because why not? Because they can. Yeah. Because they can. But that does actually... Um, I thought this was fine. I think that it's great. It's good direction, blah, 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 blah. I did think in a weird way that the design of the solar panel was something that was very interesting to me because I hadn't seen that type of big design before. And it made me think, well, you know, that could be something that you could almost work into any logo. You know, you could make the top of your of your main building, which is really where we're putting these panels is on the top of right vehicle buildings. You can make those, you could, you could logo that out or pattern that out so that um, it would be kind of blend into your brand. So when the sky ride know, goes over your old ride maintenance building, it now sees the solar panel in the shape of your brand. Done. Yes, exactly. 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 And it's going to. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think this is, 
I think, you know, I, you know me, I'm not always the one who says, gosh, Disney does everything right. But I want to give credit where credit is due. I think this is certainly a step in the right direction. But gosh, they sure did hijack Earth Day. <laughs> well, and you know what? If, if no one else is going to step up and own it or no one else has the money to step up and own it, then more power to you, Disney. You know, it gets, let me put it this way. As a consumer, it gets my attention and it makes me want to spend money there. So uh, if that was the intent, good deal. Good deal. Yeah. And they they also, yes, yes, yes. So I was going to say they also, they didn't just attack the concept of celebrating Disney Plus from the physical world, but they also brought that to Disney Plus with a debut of, I don't know if I said that right, but with a debut of uh, Secrets of Wales. So that's the James. So basically, yes. Yeah. So basically, they took. Um, if you were in the parks, they rolled out these changes physically, and they announced their solar panel, which is a big, nice picture of Mickey. <laughs> and then they also, when when you got home and logged into your Disney Plus, or after you finished with your workday or whatever, you got in Disney Plus, you saw another notification that they were releasing a new series uh, celebrating whales which of course whales are a vulnerable population, especially to plastics. So it all has this weird Disney synergy <laughs> uh, because they were taking out plastics from the parks and you know, it's, but that's Disney. I don't know what to, I mean, they just have that plan together to do that. They are, they are either, well, I won't even, I used to say they are notorious for doing multi-level of everything and taking same ideas, same context um, and putting it, everywhere you know that's that's why going back a gazillion years that's why disneyland was so popular he basically walt was able to take the 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 great notoriety he had gotten from the movies and the and the the movies and the animation and was able to incorporate that into a whole nother industry and create a whole nother i mean basically created theme park um because it was amusement parks based on specific themes that he already owned the rights to. But this is taking it, this is like sort of a, an even more meta version of that, where it's like, it's all about, it's all about the bad plastics and the, and the carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. And here's why we're doing it because of the whales, you know, but it's not just, it's not just from an earth day standpoint that Disney is doing stuff like this. Uh, Disney has also announced that there is an unprecedented licensing agreement uh, with, I believe it's Sony, isn't it, Philip? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's it's basically to um, well they're recognizing now the value of content and specifically past content. But um, you know, obviously during the pandemic, I think Netflix and Hulu and any other streaming service went through pretty much everything because we were all just binge watching stuff when we couldn't go outside. And now all of a sudden, this has a great deal of of value and Disney obviously has huge vaults and they've, they've known that and recognized it for a long, long time, but now they're working to um, find this, this licensing agreement with Sony. So they're going to have even more content at their fingertips. Do you know any of the details of this thing, Philip, or is has that been announced yet? They have announced some of the details. Uh, mainly they've, they have announced bringing over some of the, the big, the big names so that they could have, you know, more complete universes but I think the overall arc is that Netflix and the other traditional movie studios, you know, all these traditional film agencies, um, and not as much Netflix as much as some of the traditional places, but 
the traditional film has been hit really hard with delays on their services because of the pandemic and delays in filming. And so if you if your filming of new content is disrupted, and the, the wild thing here is that Netflix is putting in so much more money to creating content than Disney Plus. Double, triple, the, I mean, billion, like billions and billions and billions into that. But that is being slowed down right now because they can't film as quickly as they used to. So Disney is now taking the opposite approach and saying, "What it? You know, we have a, a vault of content, and we could take that vault and and add it as just added, you know, kind of content, uh, even though it's it's old content. But then if we do a licensing agreement with another small agency like Sony, who doesn't really have a plan for their content and isn't as ready to distribute it like us, then we can do that. So it's almost like becoming a cable network where they're trying to t a little bit like take the uh, distribution of other stuff. Whereas they came from a world of, you know, other people took their content to distribute it and they were a content studio. And now they flip the script and say, we're a distribution network. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they tried to go completely vertical and did something like the Disney TV kind of a thing, you know, where, where, you, where it had Disney Plus installed in it. Um, maybe that's down the road, but I think that would be the ultimate complete vertical here is to completely own that relationship, which it would even further put Netflix at a disadvantage because they are not, they're, they're a distributor and a content house, but they don't have that vertical integration. And Disney has one step already forward with them on vertical integration because they have the theme parks and that's always been their model is mm -hmm. that they can touch you in person when you go to their events and then at home you can fall in love with the characters and so if they plugged all that stuff together and did a more vertical integration i could see that going even better yeah, for them I, but it's just I'm not sure i'm not sure whether they will i'm not sure whether they will tap into the the physical um devices but I think mm -hmm. they will definitely become more and more integrated into things like Roku and some of the other, yeah. you know, um, Apple TV, that kind of thing. It just, I mean, just imagine what could happen there. Just, it's, it's scary. Uh, of course, I, every time Disney goes to do something like that, I think back to how Disney Cruise Lines started. You know, they started by doing partnerships with existing cruise lines and they learned how to do it. They learned what they liked. They learned what they didn't like. And then they started their own company um, to basically you know, completely undermine what the, the big red boat was for those of you who are old enough to remember that. Um, and now that is the, the Disney magic and the, and, and I have to be honest, you know, I, I love this story because it affects me on a very personal level. Um, I am thrilled that Disney is looking at their vaults because, um, a, a project that I worked on many years ago, uh, was the all new captain kangaroo on Fox family channel. Well, as we know, Fox family channel was purchased by Disney and became ABC Family Channel. And they took all of the content that was owned by the channel and is basically sitting on it. So uh, I was um, best friends with Bunny Rabbit and Grandfather Clock. And uh, so I know that there's multiple seasons of the all new Captain Kangaroo sitting in a Disney vault somewhere that quite honestly, I'd love to see again because I don't have it all on video. I wish I did. But uh, so anyway, I, it's not, and it's not even, you know, it's not even a residual situation because I had a very interesting contract, but it, it, what, it's more about getting the work that I'm really proud of to see it out there again. And let's be honest, if Roku can do an entire channel of the love boat or mm -hmm. uh, the price is right, then, 
you know, there is there is a market for for this content. There is a market for this past content. And if Disney is is working with Sony, then they're clearly taking it seriously. And I think you're right, Philip. I do think they're looking at launching something more robust than Disney Plus. Yeah. So whatever whatever that means. Well, the, I do want to skip to our our maybe our, our next big story so we get it in before we leave. Yeah. But in the show notes, there's another link for those of you that go want to go extra deep. There, uh, Peacock is launching a escape room reality show, which sounds as crazy as it sounds on its head. But skipping past that, uh, we we would be a bad hosts if we did not mention this week that California theme parks announced uh, or or they California theme parks were given permission to allow out-of-state guests, but the guests have to be fully vaccinated or be able to prove a negative test result within a certain window. Like I think it's like a 24-hour window, like a a very early negative test result. So this is really big news and we didn't want to get too much into it because we've already kind of... uh, How many times have we we said, you know, pandemic passports and and, and this sort of thing? But again, it creates that challenge of, of... Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Truly proving that you are indeed vaccinated. And it also opens up a, a wormhole, which some people have written very poorly about in the LA Times. <laughs> the wormhole about... Um, you got in there, didn't you, Philip? <laughs> I, oh, I hated that article. It was so <laughs> terribly written. Oh, I just can't. I can't. I literally can't even believe it came from the LA Times. But anyway, um, I had to check if it was a fake website. And I was like, no, this is real. Um, so basically it's creating uh th- this big push where we have you know we talked about previously how there's no one app that we're all going to use but now disney is is kind of working apps into this whole process so it's just very interesting where you're trying starting to see disney come in and and say this is how we're going to do it and with the other parks and we're going to integrate technology into the the whole seamless experience to to make this uh like a post-COVID experience. So I, I don't know. It, a lot of moving pieces going on here, but it's it's a big announcement and I'm sure it's going to uh, stir up controversy about proving vaccination records. But what are you going to do? Well, and I don't think it's necessarily a wrong thing. We just have to figure out how to do it. I mean, just like we had to figure out how to get everybody vaccinated. Now you have to figure out how to prove uh, if you're going to require people to be vaccinated, how are you going to prove it? And if it's like most theme parks, I think what's going to end up happening is uh, they're going to they're going to announce we're going to do it this way, and if you can't do it this way, then unannounced they will have multiple other layers and ways to do it. I mean that's every theme park in the world. It's the way theme parks have operated forever, including Disney. Uh, they'll say you know there's only one way to do this, or if you lose your tickets, or you know da, 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 there's absolutely nothing that can be done. No, you're out of luck. But ultimately they don't want to send guests away angry. So they're going to find ways to to work or find multi-levels. You may have to wait, you know, an hour to get into the park because they have to go back and check your little cardboard card that you have that says I've been vaccinated. Or you can stream right through if you've got X app, Y app, or Z app. Um, But I don't think they're going to get too far down that rabbit hole um, before they start angering guests. Because again, an angry guest is a guest that's not going to return. And for every angry guest, they talk to at least 10 guests or potential guests that may not become potential guests. So mm-hmm. um, Disney's smart enough to know that. And I think all theme parks are smart enough to know that. Um, I just think it's going to be interesting to see as we move forward. And uh, and having said all of that, go out and get vaccinated. 
Um, if you have the opportunity to get vaccinated, if your doctor says it's unsafe for you, that's a whole different story. But if you're just a Joe Schmo like me, I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, I, I think it is essential and I think it's going to benefit everybody, especially the theme park and attractions industry, because the sooner we can make vaccination something that just happens, and it's not the first time in our history that, that this has been an issue. I know people are going to say, well, I don't want to get vaccinated. It's a blah, blah, blah. It's this, it's that. No, there have been many, many times, like when I started grade school, the very first time, you had to get multiple shots. You had to get multiple shots in junior high and, and entering high school. They were required. So do yourself a favor, go out and get vaccinated. Um, unless of course there are complicated health issues and that way it'll get our industry back online and back in the, in the plus column very, very quickly. So that was my, that was my soapbox. Sorry. I just snuck it in there, but we are out of time. Um, we've already actually, we're two minutes over already. Sorry about that. So on behalf of Philip Hernandez from Gantam Lighting, my name is Scott Swenson with Scott Swenson Creative Development, and this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. We will see you next week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.